Lord, we thank you um, that this afternoon we gather um, as your people in your presence, Lord. And we just ask that this afternoon, through your word, you would speak to us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that you would give us ears to hear what you're saying, Lord, that we would be uh, responsive in our own hearts, Lord, that we would adopt um, a position of humility, Lord, that just comes before you um, and sits in submission to you and your word this afternoon in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh man. Well, for those of you that don't know, my name's Rich. Uh, I'm also one of the pastors here at Revelation Church. Um, it's great to have you all with us. Um, I guess August is one of those funny times where people are kind of drifting in, drifting out, some people on holiday, etc., etc. Um, so for the month of August, things are a little bit shorter, so I will only be 20 minutes-ish. Um, this afternoon, but we'll, I'll try and be as succinct as possible. Um, we're already a little bit behind time, but um, we'll try and make that up in the next few minutes. Um, this afternoon, um, I want to um, preach on a topic that is actually probably very familiar um, to a lot of us, um, but I'm going to be preaching this week and next week, um, and so I'd like this week to kind of open it up, if you like, set a bit of a bedrock um, about what we're then going to talk about next week as well. Um, so although there will be some application out of today, there will also be application next week, and so just to let you know that it does kind of flow um, from this week to next week. Um, but very often in the New Testament, um, we see the church, it's Self, um, as, as, as illustrated by the writers in several different forms. Um, and so the whole way through the New Testament, they, if you like, they give us um, ideas or pictures of what the church is like. And before we go too far with any of those pictures in particular, we just need to think for a second about what is the church? What do we call the church? What do the Bible writers call the church before they then go on to describe any illustration or anything of what it looks like? Well, the church... um, as you may have gathered from our surroundings, isn't necessarily the building. Um, It's not necessarily an institution. It's not necessarily a set structure, a set of rules. Um, If you like, the the church is the people of God. The church is um, where the people gather, um, and the church are the people called out from a world to live as witnesses um, in submission to God. That's that's what we do. That's our calling. That's who we are um, the church and then basically throughout the New Testament we get lots of different images and illustrations of what that looks like so some of the more common ones that you're probably mostly um, familiar with um, so the church is uh, described as an army um, a body a bride um, as a temple, as the kingdom of God. There's all these different things throughout the New Testament. There's lots more um, of them, but if you like, they, they, they would be some quite common illustrations that keep coming back through again um, and again and again. And each of these illustrations, if you like, highlight a different aspect of our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. Um, and so they each, if you like, look at a different facet and emphasize a slightly different um, style or pattern of relationship that we have with God and that we have with one another. Um, probably some of the most common, so if we think about an army, well in one of the books in the New Testament, Ephesians 6, it talks about us being an army in conflict. So that would be a very applicable um, from an illustration that if you talk about an army, you're talking about going into a battle scenario. And the Bible talks about us um, arming ourselves against the works of the enemy and doing battle um, with the enemy. 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about a body with many members, but 
one body. Um, and actually it's talking about our interaction and our relationship with one another. Just in the same way, the body, the, the, in the body there are members that are interdependent. So the eye can't say to the ear, um, what are you doing here? You're not part of the body. And in the same way, uh, the ear can't turn around to the eye and say, you've got no place here, right? Because they're different members but one body. And we see these illustrations coming through time and time again and throughout the New Testament. Um, and this afternoon we're going to um, be looking at the church as family. Um, so family is a very prominent um, illustration that comes through time and time and time again throughout the New Testament. A lot of these illustrations have overlaps with one another. Um, that's not surprising given that they if you like, give us a snapshot of our relationship with God and his relationship with us, and then instructions about um, how we live, how we conduct ourselves, and things like that. So it's not a surprise that there is, to some degree, a certain amount of overlap. Um, especially when we look at, if you like, the four gospel, the four eyewitnesses of Jesus, um, where Jesus himself reveals himself as the Son of God. He reveals himself as a son. He reveals himself in the context of a family. And then talking to his disciples, disciples that are following him around, he says to them, when you pray, pray our Father who art in heaven. He, again, he's talking primarily in the context of family. Um, he's talking in the relationships that we find within families. And so even from Jesus right the way through the New Testament, we see some very common um, pictures of family. Um, now when we talk about family in our culture, it, it throws up all sorts of different things for the Everybody, really, and because everybody, well, other than siblings, obviously, but everybody comes from different families. And so we each have, if you like, uh, different kind of uh, experiences, good and bad, um, about families that we bring to our concept of family. So when we start talking about family, we can think of lots of different things. Um, our families, for instance, are not necessarily perfect, uh, which means to look around at any one particular family and say, hey, they're pretty good, they've got it all together, what, a, what an example, let's, let's be exactly like them, let's do exactly what they do. Um, but, because, but because we are imperfect people, um, because what the Bible says we sin, because we sin, actually there's no perfect family. Um, for instance, in my own experience, um, uh, I have certain things that when my wife and I got married, um, I had certain things and patterns in my family, um, and she had certain ways and patterns in her family, um, and then when you come together and get married and you become a new family, all of a sudden things start to, you start to realize that each other, although they have both very good and very bad certain patterns within each of those families what you find is it just makes for a really interesting mix as now as a new family you start to work this out what does it mean to live biblically as a family and that's exactly what we're going to be looking at um, today and so what we find is there's lots to be coming out of um, family and it throws up all sorts of things and not least for us who live in London um, where London is a very busy city a very lonely city um, where actually a lot of the time people, people's families aren't around um, and they tend to be much further afield, maybe even in other countries. And so at that point, it, it's, it's important we understand church in the context of family and church as family because living here, called to be the church in London, we are called to be a family in North London. 
That's what we're called to do. And so we're going to get into some of the more practical values of this biblical family next week. Um, But this week I really want to um, unpack how we initially get into um, that family. Um, So if you want to turn to Ephesians 1, um, it'll come up behind me on the screen, hopefully. and we're going to look at the first few verses from Ephesians 1, um, verses 3 to 6. There we go. Uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. And so how do we get into this family? But it's through adoption. Ephesians 1 tells us that we are adopted into this family. How do you get into any family that you're not naturally born into? Well, it has to be through adoption. It has to be that you are brought into something that you weren't necessarily affiliated with. And so in Ephesians 1, Paul says that we are adopted into this family. Now, very often when looking at these verses, people tend to get hung up on that word predestined. Um, All that means is it was decided beforehand um, which means there was a decision beforehand the passage actually gives us a clue when the decision was made um, it says that it, uh, we were chosen in him before the foundation of the world um, if you're going to make a decision beforehand that's pretty near the start before the foundation of the world that's like before the beginning um, so uh, you can see actually this is a pattern that God has set in place that we should be adopted from the very beginning, 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 beginnings of time. Um, And so this is God's plan, this is God's idea, this is God's decision that we should be um, a family together. if you like, we can often think of it, um, in, and I think the reason people get so caught up with it is because there's a decision that was made many, 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 many millennia ago that to some extent we have no control over. And yet at the same time, when we became a Christian, if you are a Christian here today, then you would understand that actually it was a very real decision that we made. To put our trust in Jesus, to believe him, actually that was a very real decision that we made. Um, and that's not, that's not negated by this passage. Actually, if you like, it's more of an invitation for us to be chosen in him, to be predestined, is almost as if God decided that we could decide to follow him. And so there's a logical process there that he decided before the foundation of the world that we could decide to follow him. And he invites us into that. He invites us into a partnership. He's not going to force us or coerce us into this family, but he invites us into this family. Um, I want to try and illustrate this a little bit. Um, We have the kids swim with us today, so um, trying to make things a little bit more interactive, I guess. Um, Can I have a couple of volunteers? Uh, I need three volunteers, if I may. Thank you, Gordon. All right. Um, I need you each to take a green square. Thank you, Aisha. Um, And what I would like you to do is go and find somewhere in the room 
Um, place your green square on the floor and stand on it. Go. Nice. Perfect. Um, the Bible describes, um, if you like, us before we were Christians um, as doing our own thing, going our own way. Um, and then in, this, in the context of family, it's almost like we were, we were out, we were independent, we were disconnected from a family. Much like our three wonderful volunteers are disconnected uh, from this family, uh, which is my blue family. Um, it's probably an insight given that they're all matching. That's probably yeah, my character. But anyway, um, what, I would like us, what I would like each of you guys to do um, is to try and get to the blue family... Um, from where you're standing and you're not allowed to touch the floor uh, any of the wooden floor around you so <laughs> Gordon I feel like that's cheating a little bit okay your, your tiles aren't supposed to move <laughs> maybe I should just keep moving my tile <laughs> alright but the, po- the point is right <laughs> You did, you did actually make... Gordon, I'm very impressed. Um, if you could actually take your tile back. Off you go. Uh, <laughs> nice. The, the point is that actually from each of these isolated positions, it's very difficult to get, if you like, to these blue tiles, right? It's, well, unless we have a long jumper in the room who, well, actually even then, would be an incredible long jumper. Um, but it would be very difficult to get all the way uh, to this tile. Um, and essentially the Bible says that we were doing our own thing. We were isolated. We were independent of this family. And then it says that God adopted us into his family. If you like that idea that he decided that we could decide um, to become part of his family. And so what he did was essentially he sidled. He, uh, um, God sent Jesus into the world to live as a man um, so that he could then engage with us, live the perfect life that we never could so that where we were living in isolation he, if you like, took one of those blue tiles with him wherever he went and basically wandered over to, say, Dan and said, would you like to be adopted into my family? Wonderful. Come with me. And then taking each one of us, brought us into his family. If you notice down the blue tile. Nice. Um, and then again, we see a pattern of that replicated throughout history. And so, Gordon, would you like to come and be part of my family? Wonderful. Come join me. And so you can see God reconciles each one of us to his family. Aish, would you like to join our family? Of course, Rick. <laughs> Come on in. Until, all to, and until we are brought together as one family, and now we live in community with one another. We live as family together. A round of applause for my volunteers. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you very, very much, guys. Um, and so again... If we're not naturally born into this family, we have to have somebody within the family, that was Jesus in the illustration, who called us into his family, who brought us into the family. And the Bible says that, that God has adopted us and brought us into his family. Um, 
How many of you know that if you are adopted, it's not so much the person being adopted's idea, um, but actually it's the parents that make the decision. The parents um, decide if they want to adopt. And in the same way, God chooses to adopt us. He chooses to call us to himself, to invite us into his family. Um, Suppose you're an orphan. That you don't get to necessarily choose who the parents are. It's the parents that come in and then adopt you into their family. Um, for instance, if I were to adopt a child, um, then that child would become a young. Um, they surname would change. They would become part of my family. Um, they would come home with me to our house or flat, if you live in London, um, and they would come and live with us. Um, They would sleep in a room probably with their siblings. Um, They would eat at the family dinner table. Um, If they were in a local school, then being called a young, they would know the agony of being last on the register every day. Um, And so all of these things, there's lots of different things. They'd be involved in family days out. They would be as if they were actually a natural child. They would be adopted into the family. But more than that, they would, who would they go to for advice? Well, that would now be me. Who would they turn to if they were in need? Well, that again would be me as their parent. They would now be looking to me for direction, for guidance, for counsel. Um, And so it works two ways. Um, And you see, when we are adopted into this family, everything changes. Our whole perspective changes. Our name changes. We become a Christian. We become a believer in Jesus. We become somebody that now calls themselves a Christian. Um, And actually, it's a process then where everything then starts to change. And just like that child being welcomed into a new environment, there is a certain adaptation that they have to go through, right? It's unfamiliar to them. It might be called home, but it doesn't feel much like home. And I would would anticipate that for actually some people here, becoming a Christian or giving your life to Jesus, actually what what that did was it made, made you think, well actually I don't necessarily feel at home. I don't necessarily feel like the church is my home, is my family. It feels a little bit funny and it feels a little bit unsure. And that's because it's a process. We take time as new Christians to adapt and to, um, if you like, be brought into and feel at home and at peace and comfortable with our new family, our brothers and sisters um, that are around us. Um, I'd love us uh, to turn to Romans 8, uh, if you have your Bibles with you. If not, it will come up on the screen behind me. There we go. Wonderful. Um, uh, Romans 8, verse uh, 15. Perfect. Um, So I've skipped out a few verses in the middle um, because I wanted to particularly pick up on an idea that's being conveyed through this passage. Um, You can by all means go away and read it in your own time. Um, It says from Romans 8 verse 15, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And then a few verses later, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have 
alive, the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. What's really interesting about this passage um, is actually in the first part, verse 15, where it talks about adoption, um, for, you did not, for you did not receive a spirit, it's talking in the past tense. You did not receive a spirit of fear, uh, of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received, past tense, the spirit of adoption as sons. We did. And then if we move uh, further on, the spirit himself now bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. We've been adopted. And then moving on, verse 23, 22, 23, uh, at the bottom there, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, you have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly, as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons. This is a process of adoption. This is the process that we as a family are journeying on, where God is a Adopting and has adopted us into his family. And so you can see even Romans 8 here talks in, in the past, present and future about our adoption. And that's why sometimes it doesn't happen overnight. It's not all of a sudden we, we feel like, oh, you know, like now, now automatically we're like super Christian or whatever, right? It's a process that's happening. This idea of that there's a journey that's taking place. Um, and so um, perhaps you're not a Christian here today and you're thinking, um, I get what you're saying, so what do I do? Because I'm not part of this family. Well, the invitation is there. The invitation from God to invite you into his family. And accepting this in, in invitation means acknowledging that you were living in isolation. That you were living independently of him trying to do things, if you like, in your own nuclear self. Um, and that actually we have to, what the Bible calls, repent and say sorry for that. Um, and bring that to God and say, do you know what, I, I recognize that that was wrong. And I want to come into and be adopted into um, your family. And that trusting Jesus... Trusting in Jesus and what he accomplished for us on the cross is just as I did bringing each one of those into the family. Trusting that Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection has brought us into his family. And maybe you are a believer. And maybe you've heard this all before. Maybe adoption is um, something you live and stand by. Perhaps you are even thinking of adopting here today. And you've thought about this. What would that mean? What would the implications be? Um, and actually, I, I really feel that there is something in us um, as a church where we are to, to consider those outside of the church as, if you like, adopting the community, adopting those around us, adopting people into our lives and drawing them into God's family. And I believe as that happens, they will meet with Jesus and that they will get drawn into his family and that, and that they will in turn then be adopted. Why don't we stand to our feet? Um, I'm going to invite the band back up. Um, I'm going to pray in just a moment. Um, there's something I'd really like us to do. So off the back of that Romans 8 verse, um, there in, uh, yeah. yeah, Romans 15, 
and 16. Um, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And what I'd love us to do, if you are a believer here, we're going to take bread and wine um, in a couple of minutes. We like to do this every week. Um, and the, the word witness there just, to means, just means to um, give, give evidence. So give testimony. Speak, speak good of um, certain things. And so uh, what I want us to do is, um, if, you, uh, if, you, if there is somebody in the church or somebody around that you have particularly identified something of um, the Spirit of God in their life, and bearing witness and testimony to what Jesus has done, and then I just want you to draw alongside them and encourage them. And just and hit, I'll give you a helpful starter. Um, you can start with the phrase, I love the way that God has dot, dot, dot in your life. Right? And let's just encourage one another. Let's get good at being family and encouraging one another in a way that edifies, strengthens, and builds one another up. Um, I'm going to pray, and these guys um, are going to lead us. Lord, we thank you, um, Lord, that you have adopted us into your family. Lord, we thank you that we are no longer orphans, but Lord, you have, um, Lord, you've rescued us from ourselves, Lord. You rescued us from trying to do things on our own, Lord, and you've brought us into a family that is so diverse, Lord, so multifaceted, so wonderful, Lord, so uh, wise and so creative. Lord, we thank you for what you've done. Lord, we thank you that you don't coerce, you don't bully your way in, but Lord, you invite us into this family. Lord, you invite us to journey with you. Lord, and we just pray that you would continue to do that, even as we encourage one another now, as we take bread and wine. In Jesus' name, amen.